the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Weakness raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. Never stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live in glory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Glorified with Him forever, death will be lost in victory. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory, with the redeemed never stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal Oh, hallelujah, morning when the last trump of God shall sound. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal grace, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, oh yes, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, with reading the reading of God to stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Just want to let you know. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone, I find peace, joy, happiness. I'm blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to talk about and answer the question, what is my identity? What is my identity? Before we get to that study, we've got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Now, now get this, friend, get this. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear a major religious liberty case involving the city of Boston's refusal to fly an organization's Christian flag while approving the flags of nearly 300 other groups. The case 
Shirtlift versus Boston began in 2017 when the Christian Civic Organization Camp Constitution requested that the Christian flag be allowed to fly on a city hall flagpole that is open to the public. The city's unique policy encourages groups to fly their flags temporarily on the pole in order to foster diversity and build and strengthen connections among Boston's many communities. The city, though, denied Camp Constitution's request because of the flag's religious symbol. The Christian flag depicts a red cross on a blue rectangular background. The Liberty Council, which is representing Camp Constitution, claims the city's action violated the First Amendment during the previous 12 years, the city has approved 280 flags, including LGBT pride flags, ethnic flags, while issuing no denials. The lower court sided with the city, but a date for the Supreme Court oral arguments has not yet been set. The Liberty Council contends that the city policy violates Camp Constitution's free speech and religious liberty rights. The city has denied the request and the petition says expressly because Camp Constitution's proposed flag was called Christian on the application form, but other than a common Latin cross on the flag itself, there is nothing to identify the flag as a Christian flag. Well, there you go, friend. Can you believe that? Supreme Court to consider, can Boston prohibit the Christian flag while flying 284 other ones? Well, that is something to clarify, I would say, don't you, friend? Well, now, get this. This is also... A little different and a little bit more stunning indeed. A California ethnic studies curriculum that asks students to chant and pray to Aztec gods is being challenged in court by a group of parents who say the material violates both the U.S. and state constitutions. At issue is a 800-plus page ethnic studies model curriculum which was adopted by the state in March and is being used by the state's public schools. Among the activities, get this, friend, is a group of affirmations, chants, and energizers that invoke spiritual beings of the Aztec religion. The lawsuit was filed against the state by the Thomas More Society on the behalf of individual parents and taxpayers. Our clients are not opposed to having students learn about different cultures and religions, including practices of Aztecs. But the California State Board of Education's approved ethnic studies model curriculum goes far beyond that by directing students to pray to the Aztec deities. It's not only offensive, but blatantly unconstitutional. The activities include an Aztec prayer that invokes five spiritual beings worshipped by the practitioners of the Aztec religion. 
and in other activities, students take part in ASH chant or affirmation by repeating the name ASH, which is the divine force as recognized by the Yoruba religion. Children are directed to repeat this name along with others in response to various questions so as to form the phrase, Ash, 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 still I rise, Ash. There you go, folks. Can you believe that? Parents sue California over curriculum that directs students to pray to Aztec gods. <laughs> Here's the thing. Could you imagine if that was a Christian curriculum? If that would have been even allowed in the classroom? <laughs> it just makes you shake your head, doesn't it, friend? Shake your head indeed. Well, to a more sobering point, after the Taliban regained control over Afghanistan last month, many Afghan Christians have gone into hiding in order to avoid persecution and death by the Islamic regime. Release International uh, reports that reports on Christians across the world notes that there are less than 10,000 Christians in the country, as many have fled into more remote areas to stay out of the sight from the Taliban. They have control over the airfields and countries' borders, but Andrew Boyd of Release International says that some Christians have dispersed from Afghanistan into nearby countries such as Pakistan and Iran. SAT-7PARS, which broadcast programs via satellite TV into Afghanistan, told Release International that some Afghan Christians are asking for prayers amid death threats. One says, Oh Lord God, please protect us because we are facing literal hell. My family and I came to Christ two years ago and I and my family have received death threats. I have no other way but to escape from the country. Help us to be heard so we can flee from this Hell, Afghanistan is ranked number two of its list of countries where it is the most difficult to be a Christian, North Korea being number one. Andrew Boyd of Release International says, We're working with partners to provide support and encouragement and help for them. It's a dangerous business. There are practical things we can do to help Christians in Afghanistan. There you go, folks. Pray. Lord God, please protect us. Afghan Christians ask for prayers amid persecution from the Taliban. Folks, we can do that. We can indeed and must pray for Christians all across the world. Amen, folks. Amen. And glory. Hallelujah. And that's our headline news. For this broadcast. And now, folks, this day in church 
Festus. Ville Sharp was a cloth merchant and Bible scholar who made a careful study of the use of the Greek definitive article equivalent to English the and show that its use in the New Testament establishes Christ's divinity. The principle he proved is known as Sharp's rule. Sharp was also a virulent opponent of slavery. He won a court ruling that as soon as any slave set foot upon English territory, that slave became free. Here is an extract from a letter dated this day, in October 1806, on the wickedness of tolerating slavery. He said this, I believe with you that the late Mr. Wilberforce was very earnest and sincere in his endeavors to promote the abolition of the slave trade, but neither he nor any other person has ever yet urged Parliament with sufficient perseverance the indispensable necessity of abolishing the abominable source of that cruel trade, the toleration of slavery itself, in all the British colonies, the continued existence of which in any part of the king's dominions must finally draw down the divine vengeance upon our state and nation. The examples of divine vengeance declared by the Jewish prophets against their own nation and regal government for neglecting the first principles of natural justice and tolerating iniquity and oppression ought certainly to be considered as warnings to all other national governments and as such should be awfully regarded. But more especially in these latter times when the end of the fourth and last great empire and of all its bestial horns so rapidly approaches. Sharp's rule on this day in 1806. And that's this day in church history. Folks, we have our thankfulness segment. Here is our thankfulness passage. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Underline this one, folks. This is a good one. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in, on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Amen, folks. What a reminder that we need to always be thankful to God. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun in Name That Bible 
character segment. Here is your clue. We'll do something a little bit different today. We'll get you to finish a passage of Scripture. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to... Finish that sentence, folks. Here's your clue one more time. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to... What is the missing word? We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name That Bible Character. All right, folks, now we're going to get started on our study. Just pull up a chair, pull up a cup of coffee, cold drink, hot tea, whatever you got. Get your Bible and let's open the fantastic and powerful Word of God. When I answer a question, there's just a lot of confusion about people's identity. People in this chaotic, strange world in which we live in, there's just a lot of confusion. And there's so many voices out there that wants to help you define what your identity is. But I want you, friend, to just listen to Scripture and what it says about our identity. I want you to arrive at your own decision about what your true identity is. You and I, friend, have a place where we can go to find this very important answer to the question of what is my identity. So let's just get started, friend. Let's just start with number one. Number one is we are all created. Amen. Can I just get an amen for that one? We are all created. Oh, there's so many wonderful passages that just instill this, this tremendous truth. Psalms chapter 8 is one of them. But I just want to just relate to you the one that is found in Psalms 139 by David. In verse 13, he says this, But you, O Lord, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Amen, folks. The great creator, the master weaver, has knitted you and I, friend, together. You, oh Lord, has formed our inward parts. Verse 14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Fantastic. So number one, number one, how can we know what our identity is? First, we acknowledge the truth that we are all created fearfully and wonderfully made 
in the very image of God. Now this has implications. As David goes on to say in Psalms 139, verse 16, Your eye saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with you. So this truth is so fantastic. A knowledge so great that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made in the very image of God, as Genesis chapter 1 tells us. So number one, we can know the answer to the question, what is my identity by first understanding that we have all been created? And this brings a responsibility. We are accountable. Number two. The first, we've been created. Number two is that we are fallen. Number two is that we are fallen. Romans chapter Five, Paul puts it like this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, he's talking about Adam there, folks. Just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Because all sin. So number first is we've been created. The second is we all have to understand and admit that we are all fallen. We are all fallen. Paul talked about the fact that sin that Adam committed has brought, he says, sin into the world, death through sin, separation from God. Physical death, eternal death, entered into this world. We live in a fallen world, but we also have a sin problem. Now, sometimes you'll hear catchy and well intentioned comments like, We are not sinners because we sin, but because we are sinners. Sometimes you hear people express this idea that we are born sinful, that we are born as corrupt creatures. But let me ask you this. When God formed Adam, and then when he formed Eve, were they born corrupt? Were they born in sin? I think we all know the answer to that. You see, what this is saying in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 is very simple. Adam sinned just as easily as all those who have followed in his footsteps. That all humans and every one of us have always done. We fall and pray to sin. We are prone to weakness. But what caused Adam to sin so easily? Well, it was temptation. 
1 John 2 verse 16 puts it like this. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. Those are all the things, as James would put it, that were placed in front of us as lures, as traps, as temptations. And because we're prone to weakness, just as Adam was, just as Eve was, we sin. And by sinning, we are fallen. Romans 3 verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this leads us to two conclusions. Number one, as our first answer was, in answering the question, what is my identity? We've been created. And what does that bring? Well, that brings dignity. That brings the fact that Every human being has value. You remember what James says in James 3 verse 9? He says, how, how is it that we can bless God, bless the Father on one hand, and then curse our fellow human beings on the other hand who have been created in the image of God? The truth is that everyone is owed a sense of dignity. Because we've all been created in the image of God. The second aspect of this is that we have all been stained by sin. And we've all are part of the fallen, separated from God. And what all this leads us to is this that this causes us to be wise and thoughtful, look beyond social positions, status. Whether you're rich, poor, whether you stink, or whether you smell good, causes us to be very thoughtful and very wise. Amen? So, number one, we've all been created. Number two, the answer to what our identity is, is we are all part of the fact that we have been fallen. What is number three? Number three is... That our identity is found in Christ. Not only is it found in the truth that we've been created, not only is it found in the, the fact that we are fallen from grace, but in Christ, in Him, we have been redeemed. That is part of our identity. Notice, if you will, in Colossians, what a tremendous and very powerful statement about this truth, about our identity that is in Christ, in Him. I want you to notice these powerful verses in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. For in Him, in who? In Christ. In Him. Friend, if you are in Christ, if you are in Him, this is, this is the most fantastic and powerful truth of who our Savior is. Is and his powerful work. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him, in one time it is said that the infinite became the infant. The God man, perfection. 
In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Our perfect God-man. The perfect Savior. The perfect Christ. This is our Redeemer. And later on in that, as you continue to read in verses 12 through 15, you'll see it talks about the powerful, redemptive work of Christ as He takes our certificate of debt. Listen, folks. Taking that certificate of debt and nailing it to the cross. What a vision. What word usage. What a powerful reminder of our great Redeemer. Now notice in verse 10, friend. Notice in verse 10. And you, listen, friend. You are complete. Other translation says, you are full, complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete. You, there is no other need to go to any other destination, to any other journey, because in Christ that is full completion. That is the only destination and place you need to arrive. He is all you will ever need. Because He is full. He is complete. He is all-powerful and all-consuming. That is the third truth of our identity. So number one, we've been created. Number two, we're part of the fallen. Number three, we are in Christ we are the redeemed. What is number four? Number four is simply this. We are being transformed. That's right. Being transformed. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Remember the image of God we were talking about in the beginning? That we've been created. But God completes this process of being created in His image by His only begotten Son, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are being transformed. Romans 12 verse 2 says, by the renewing of of our minds. So we are being transformed by His power, by His presence, by His Spirit, by the church, by the ecclesia, by the fellowship of the saints. We are always being renewed on a daily basis. So number four, we can understand that our identity is the fact that we are being transformed. Number five, lastly, we are all eternal. We are eternal. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 says, The dust will return to earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 puts it like this, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. 
Jesus Christ picks this and chooses this fact in teaching the message of our destiny, eternal destiny. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, he says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment for the righteous unto eternal life. I mean, really, folks, there is no such thing as a mortal human being because we are all eternal and we all have a destination. That's why all of this matters. That's why knowing your identity matters. Now, every human being on the planet are 1, 1.1, 0.2, and 0.5. 0.1 is we've all been created. 0.2 is we all are fallen. And number five is that we're all eternal. But only if you are in Christ, part of the redeemed, and being transformed, only Christians can joy. All five. What is your identity? Friend, you know and can know by based upon these scriptures and study what your identity is. And you and I are responsible to pass this on to people who are so confused because their eternal destination matters. And we need to help people lovingly, kindly, and patiently. Folks, I know it's been a little long today, but I pray that this study has been informative to you. Listen again or call me for any other questions on this fantastic and powerful subject. And that's our study for this broadcast. And now, folks, we have our conclusion to name... That Bible character. Here, here was your clue. You remember you were going to finish the passage of Scripture. Here it was. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to, what's that word? Faint. That's right. Faint. Luke chapter 18 verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. There you go folks. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And name that Bible character. Well friend. You too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ by submitting your life to Him in repentance and baptism. You will be redeemed. You'll be blessed beyond measure. More than you ever could deserve. And enjoy peace that passes all understanding. My goal here is very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you what a privilege and an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side. 
May God bless you. I am so happy now. You may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord was true. Oh, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and blue. No one could take from me. No one changed the gift that set me free. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. You see. Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Once I was lost in sin, no one would take me in. I was beyond repair, and oh, my life was in despair. Oh, how my Lord was true! My Lord was true. Even when life seemed life seemed dark, and no one could take from me, no one changed the gift that set me free. Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Jesus has given, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. I am so happy now. So you may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord is true! Oh, my Lord is true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one can.